0: Less than a week ago, as you know, we had slaughter in El Paso, slaughter in Dayton, slaughter in Chicago. The slaughter goes on. Evil people from different backgrounds slaughtering people. And it's an amazing thing. Washington knows how to fix it. Washington has an answer. We need a red flag law that, in my view, violates the Constitution in due process. By the way, states are free to do it. States are free to do it. I'm talking about the federal government. We have uh, efforts to figure out how to control guns of all sorts. People even proposing a- confiscating guns flat out. And uh, we have the president having to defend himself against allegations of being a racist and a white nationalist. This is just uh, amazing. You'd think we were an advanced society with smart people. Apparently we have issues. Now let me tell you a little secret. Additional background checks would not have stopped any of these mass murders. Not one of them. I have a piece here from 2013 from the Hill Newspaper by C.D. Michael, adjunct professor at Chapman University School of Law. There are three basic problems with universal background checks. And by the way, we have universal background checks, but I guess they want to do something more. I'm not sure what. They use the FBI database. He says it'll have no effect. The numbers don't prove the case. And the only way to make the scheme remotely effective is repugnant to the people. Those are the three big hills to climb. That's why few politicians seem ready to take the hike. Now, this is from 2013. Everything's changed. Most important is that criminals disobey such laws, and according to the Supreme Court in their Haines versus U.S. decision, criminals are not legally obligated to. In a report titled, Firearm Use by Offenders, our own federal government noted that nearly 40% of all crime guns are acquired from street-level dealers. In other words, illegally were criminals in the black market business of peddling stolen and recycled guns, 40% of all crime. Standing alone, this shows that universal background checks won't have an, in, an incomplete effect on guns used in crimes, that they would have an incomplete effect. The story gets worse. The same study notes that just as many crime guns were acquired by acquaintances, be they family or friends, Uh, This rather loose category also includes fellow criminals. Now, totaled, nearly 80% then of crime guns are already outside the retail distribution channels. They're either illegally acquired in the first place on the black market, or they're used by, taken by, stolen from family members or friends. So these are outside of transactions made by the law-abiding folks who would participate in so-called universal background checks. And by the way, sales of guns at gun shows that aren't covered by background checks amount for 0.7% of gun sales. Not one has ever been used in a mass murder. These are facts. I didn't make them up. These are facts from your federal government. And of course, they didn't appear on the uh, gun control show run by uh, Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the Cuomos, on CNN. CNN. In the rush to do something, bad legislation is proposed and then has to be justified. When the public support for universal registration started to slip, politicians brought out statistics to bolster their case. And unsurprisingly, those statistics were as weak as the legislation itself. As many as 40% of all gun purchases are conducted without a background check, Obama's assertion concerning the national instant check system, which is exercised by every licensed gun retailer in the country. Aside from the problem that 80% of crime guns come from non-retail acquisitions, the president's 40% number is horribly mangled and completely inaccurate. The quoted data, which actually totaled 36%, not 40, came from a survey conducted before the NICS came into being in 1998. That is the federal data system. The 1994 survey reported in the 1997 study, Guns in America... 36% of transfers, not sales, just simple transfers of possession, were outside of background checks. Transfer is another way of loose category of saying gifts, trades, inheritances, loans, as well as sales. In fact, 17% of all those transactions were not sales. And 27% were outside of normal retail channels. So no universal background checks would have mattered. No universal background checks would only extend to an additional 9% of firearm transactions under the most favorable circumstances when looking at these statistics. Though 80% of crime guns already bypass the new system. To achieve any degree of success, the universal background check, so-called, would require universal gun registration. In other words, actual licenses. Sheila Jackson Lee has already acknowledged this, which doomed the bill before it was drafted. Universal background checks aren't universal. Voters are anxious and willing to control violence, but controlling guns doesn't control violence, doesn't control criminals and lunatics. Cops and counseling do. Adjunct professor, Chapman University School of Law, uh, C.D. Michael. This is why these kinds of facts are never heard, never broadcast. You know nothing about them. Never, ever. Because they inform you. Mitch McConnell now is talking about gun control, controlling semi-automatic weapons. Because he's running for re-election. He'll do anything to save his skin other than articulate the facts. The first and only time I almost met Mitch McConnell was when I was at an NRA convention. And uh, this is several years ago. And I was leaving the men's room at this convention center, and he was entering the men's room. I had just left the urinal, washed my hands, was leaving the restroom. Mitch McConnell was coming in. He didn't even see me. He was kind of shuffling and staring at his own loafers so that was kind of cool Uh, but he got an award from the NRA but that was then and this is now of course uh, we're being uh, pushed and moved as a nation into one direction Uh, no discussion about bringing uh, faith back into the public square and re-examining that no discussion about figuring out what kids are learning in our public schools that makes so many of them angry and hostile No discussion about what takes place on our college campuses, the nature of the professors, what they teach, tenure. No discussion about the daily hate spewed 24-7 on CNN and MSNBC or the pages of the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the rest. No discussion about any of that. No, 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 no. Washington has decided. The press has won. We need to attack the Second Amendment. We need to attack the Fifth Amendment. And maybe the Fourth Amendment. Oh, yes. Because you see the problem, ladies and gentlemen, it's the people, the general population. That's the problem. None of what they plan to do, none of it, will stop anything. None of it. Hear me now. None of it. You have congressmen running around saying we need to raise the age of gun purchases from 18 to 21. 21? That was the age of the perpetrator in El Paso. 24? That was the age of the perpetrator in Dayton. And by the way, the perpetrator who murdered all those little elementary school children in Connecticut, his age was inconsequential, too. He took his mother's weapons, shot her, killed her in bed, and then went on to the elementary school and shot up the place and killed an awful lot of little kids. Background checks, they say. What about Fort Hood? many 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 people complained and i won't name them about the individual that he had that he was a psycho nobody listened and of course he slaughtered a number of people you can look at each one of these and then you can see how ridiculous these proposals are but they're not intended really to work they're intended to mollify you. It's about power and politics. The Republicans are on the run. It's an amazing thing. Every time there's a mass murder, a horrendous event, how is it that the Democrats benefit and the Republicans are on the run? It's the media. The media immediately grabs the narrative and pushes the radical progressive agenda. I spent a lot of time last night. I won't do it again. But you can go over to right scoop. Brian over there has posted uh, part of the first hour, if not the whole first hour from last night, or go directly to my website, MarkLevinShow.com, and listen to the podcast there as well, that Joe Biden literally used this occasion to attack the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, to attack our founding documents, to attack our founders. And Joe Biden takes no responsibility for spreading hate in this country. Cory Booker takes no responsibility for spreading hate in our country. Kamala Harris takes no responsibility. Pete Buttigieg takes no responsibility. Bernie Sanders, no responsibility. They go on and on about how this is an unjust country. They go on and on about how minorities are put in prison and shouldn't be. They go on and on about how this is a country of the rich, not the middle class and the poor. They go on and on trashing this nation based on sexual differences, economic differences, racial differences. This is what they do each and every day. This is what they do on the stump. This is what they do when they're interviewed on TV, pushed and backed and pulled by their interviewers. And when they're not there, they have special cherry-picked guests out of our universities out of our think tanks, out of politics who do exactly the same thing push hate, hate, hate for their own country and I would say to Joe Biden that speech you gave yesterday which you're being praised for in the liberal media at slimeball sites like Mediate, Media Matters slimeballs like Joe Scarborough and the others you're giving people a reason to rebel you're giving people on the left a reason to be violent when you tell your supporters and your crazy ass base that the constitution is illegitimate that the declaration is illegitimate that the American founding is illegitimate you are igniting the fires of violence you Joe Biden slow, sleepy, dumb Joe Biden I'll be right back Mark Levin And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Primus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit imprimis.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimis, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. You look at the, uh, the border states, of California, Arizona, Florida, Texas. 30 years ago, California was a bright red state. 30 years ago, Arizona was a bright red state. 30 years ago, Florida was a bright red state. These are Republican states. Five years ago, Texas was a bright red state. These are border states, most directly impacted by immigration, legal and illegal. Tell me, what have the Democrats actually done to show that they care about Latinos? What have they done for Latinos? They've done absolutely nothing. Nothing. Zero. They claim to represent them because they position themselves. What have the media done for Latinos? If they're going to be social activists, we need to know. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Today, California is dark blue. It's Democrat. It's a one-party state. It's being destroyed from within. There's no hope of it becoming Republican anytime soon, that's for sure. Arizona's moving hard blue. Harder and harder for Republicans to win. Florida is now considered a uh, toss-up state. More purple than red. And Texas is said to be trending purple. That's all you need to know about what the Democrats and the media are doing. Those used to be Republican states. That's why the Democrats couldn't win. 30 years ago, The end of the Reagan era, the beginning of the Bush era, word was it could never have a string of Democrat victories because they couldn't break the wall of California, Florida, and Texas, three of the most populated states. And so the Democrats have decided to flip them. And they're flipping them. California's flipped. The state they gave us, Ronald Reagan. Orange County now has a majority of Democrats. More Democrats than Republicans. That's unheard of. Orange County was the, uh, was the bulwark of the Republican Party. That and San Diego County and a few others. They're gone now. They're gone. They're trying to do the same thing to Florida and Texas and Arizona. And so if those states are flipped... There is no hope that a Republican would become President of the United States through the Electoral College, let alone the popular vote. The Democrats don't care about separating children from their parents. They never said a damn thing about it when Obama did it. And the media don't give a damn either. They don't give a damn about these poor people coming into this country, numerous of the young women having been raped. They don't care about them. They don't want any more detention beds. They don't want any more walls to create disincentives for people coming into this country. And yet they'll call you the racist. The party of racism will call you the racist if you use common sense and rationality to object to what's taking place. I'll be right back. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of Liberty. All right, folks, I want you to listen to the Dayton Mayor, Nan Wally, a left-wing Democrat on CNN this morning. Cut three, go.
2: So the the president called you and sent around, quote, very dishonest people. Do you, I mean, what, what, do you know where that... Let
0: me just stop you there. You see, the whole game here now is to stir the pot, stir the pot, stir the pot, go to Democrats, trash the president, call the president racist. This is why CNN's ratings are tanking. People are sick of this. Real people, regular people who live in the real world, we are tired of this. Go ahead.
2: ...comes from what, and what you say to that. Look, I mean, I think I've known and watched President uh, Trump's Twitter feed for a while... He is uh, a bully and a coward, and uh, it's fine that he wants to bully me and Senator Brown. We're okay. We can take it. But the citizens of Dayton deserve action. And, you know, we're just hoping that, you know, this isn't just a typical politician that's all talk and no action. We want to see, and the citizens of Dayton want to see him do something around some common-sense gun legislation.
0: I, I have something to say to the Dayton mayor, Nan Wally, that she would never be asked by any media outlet. Certainly not CNN. What the hell did you do about this? This animal went through your school system. Apparently it was widely known that he was violent. He's 24 years old. He's a product of your community. Your social behavioral system didn't catch him. Or didn't do anything about him. Your school system didn't catch him or didn't do anything about him. And now you trash the President of the United States? He's not the mayor of Dayton, Ohio. So I want to know from Nan Whaley, what the hell did she do about any of this? Why didn't she do more? What are the school systems there doing to identify people like this? or any of the other institutions in Dayton that are run by the government... Or for that matter, private. What does Donald Trump have to do with this? They want to keep saying it's his rhetoric, it's his rhetoric. This animal has a long history of being violent. A long history of wanting to kill his fellow schoolmates and rape the women. He's got lists, he dated, he spoke to people. So why is that Donald Trump's responsibility? Over and over again, we make the point, he was a Liz Warren admirer. He was a Bernie Sanders admirer. He was a leftist, to the extent he had any ideology. Does the mayor take any responsibility? And for that matter, Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders, if this is where we are, if we're holding politicians to account for the diabolical, the horrific actions of evil people, then the person on the ground is the mayor of Dayton and the school board in Dayton and the school system and the principal and the administrators and the teachers and the schools that he attended and the social workers. Obviously, they either identified him and didn't do enough or they didn't identify him and he slipped through their cracks. You want legislation from Washington, D.C. to fix this? Nothing they do in Washington, D.C. can fix this. Nothing. Nan Wally, you're the coward. You're the bully. You're the demagogue. And I think the people of Dayton, Ohio, should be asking her. What the hell does she plan to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? They should be asking their school boards. What the hell are you going to do to make sure kids like this are identified? Not Washington, D.C. That can't do a damn thing anyway. Pass laws. The red flag law, that's in now. Banning assault weapons, whatever the hell that is, that's in now. Semi-automatic weapons. What are we going to go, back to flint rifles? Anybody who's serious knows this is absurd. Now, this mayor, she's not asked any serious questions. She's asked to attack the president. Because that's all Anderson Cooper gives a damn about. He doesn't care about the victims. Does he sound like he does? Tell us about the families. Tell us about the families. They can't. They're pushing their narrative. So the Dayton mayor rather than being held to account she's the chief executive of that town is busy pointing fingers at Washington D.C. How convenient. I would tell the people of Dayton, Ohio, you need to hold her to account and all local officials to account. All school officials to account. This has nothing to do with the president. And if they're National politicians to blame, then blame the ones he mentions. He mentions Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Now the mass killer in El Paso, I'm sorry folks, I have to do this. There's really no other way. I got to get down into the dirt with the dirt bags. El Paso, Texas, the mass murderer there. He attributes nothing to Trump. Not a damn thing. And I told you I read that manifesto, and the vast majority of it has nothing to do with, quote-unquote, Trump's rhetoric. Trump's rhetoric. And yet, all day long, all week long, all weekend long, same damn thing. Byron York has a piece, basically echoing what I've said, but he says, has anybody actually read this manifesto? He says he, this, this this killer was obviously worried about immigration, but he was also worried about automation, about job losses, about a universal basic income he wanted, about oil drilling, about urban sprawl, about watersheds and plastic waste, paper waste, a blue Texas, college debt, recycling, health care, sustainability, and more. In other words, he was a nut. Large portions of the manifesto simply could not be more un-Trumpian. He began the manifesto by expressing support for Brenton Tarrant, the man who in March murdered 51 people and wounded 49 others in attacks on a mosque and an Islamic center in Christchurch, New Zealand. And Tarrant wrote a 74-page manifesto entitled The Great Replacement, they dwelt on demographic change in Europe, which Terence said was experiencing an invasion of immigrants with higher fertility rates than native Europeans. And Terence's writing deeply affected this killer. The first words of the killer's manifesto were, in general, I support the Christchurch shooter and his manifesto. And he went on to report, or, uh, to write. This attack is a response to the Hispanic invasion of Texas. I'm simply defending my country from cultural and ethnic replacement brought on by an invasion. But later, he referred to Hispanic immigrants as invaders, who also have close to the highest birth rate of all ethnicities in America. And he noted, actually, the Hispanic community was not my target before I read The Great Replacement. So he was clearly inspired, not by Trump, by, by Tarrant who in turn said he was inspired by seeing demographic change in France when he traveled to Europe in 2017. Now, with that as background, writes Byron York, the killer expressed deep concerns about politics in the U.S. One of the biggest betrayals in history, he wrote, was to take over the United States government by unchecked corporations. He said he could write a 10-page essay on all the damage these corporations have caused. But the biggest problem, he said, was a dangerous political mix quote due to the death of the baby boomers the increasingly anti-immigrant rhetoric of the right and the ever-increasing hispanic population america will soon become a one-party state now that one party of course was the democratic party and although the killer had little use for republicans he was most angry about what he had seen in the recent democratic debates He expressed a number of reasons for his anxiety about immigration. Among them was the growth of automation in the American economy. Now, who does that sound like? Continued immigration will make one of the biggest issues of our time, automation, so much worse, he said. He said, obviously, he read reports that millions of American jobs will be lost to automation in coming years. Happened to be one who defends automation. He noted that while some people will be retrained, most will not. He felt automation would take away his future. He said, my whole life I've been preparing for a future that currently doesn't exist. The job of my dreams will likely be automated. The automation threat, he continued, means the U.S. will have to initiate a basic universal income to prevent widespread poverty and civil unrest as people lose their jobs. That sounds like a leftist. Andrew Yang, the Democratic presidential nominee, has talked about Universal basic income, Cory Booker's talked about universal basic income, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have. The killer's idea was the fewer invaders, quote unquote, meant more resources for government programs. Then there was education, the price of college and the job market. He wrote the cost of college degrees has exploded as their value has plummeted. As a result, a generation of indebted overqualified students are filling menial, low paying, unfulfilling jobs. And then the environment. Americans enjoy an incredible quality of life, he wrote, but our lifestyle is destroying the environment of our country. Corporations are destroying the environment by shamelessly over harvesting resources. That sounded like Trump. There was more. Urban sprawl creates inefficient cities, he wrote which unnecessarily destroys millions of acres of land. And we even use God knows how many trees worth of paper towels just to wipe water off of our hands. Who does that sound like? The governor of Washington State? Inslee? Now after his environmental concerns, the killer incredibly moved to discuss the AK-47 versus the AR-15. He says, I'm against race mixing because it destroys genetic diversity and creates identity problems. Racial diversity will appear as either race mixing or genocide will take place. But the idea of deporting or murdering all non-white Americans is horrific. Many have been here at least as long as whites and have done, and have done as much to build our country. He then suggested dividing America into a confederacy of territories by race. And he ended the manifesto by saying he expected to be killed in the attack that he would allegedly carry out. He said his actions would be misunderstood as being tied to Trump. Misunderstood as being tied to Trump. It really doesn't matter. The Democrats and the media, that's all they do. He said, my ideology has not changed for several years. My opinions on automation, immigration, and the rest predate Trump and his campaign for president. I'm putting this here. Because some people will blame the president or certain presidential candidates for the attack. This is not the case. I know that the media will probably call me a white supremacist anyway and blame Trump's rhetoric. The media is infamous for fake news. Their reaction to this attack will likely just confirm that. That was the only time Trump appeared in the manifesto. The only time. And Trump's critics, they have charged that Trump inspired this guy to kill They've charged it so often in the last few days that it's hardened into a general perception that the killer was inspired by the president. Read the manifesto. It's just not in there. It's just not in there. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So in the course of all this, when you first heard about El Paso and then Dayton, did you think it would lead... To Joe Biden, the top contender for the Democrat nomination for president, to attack the founders, to attack the Declaration of Independence, to attack the Constitution? Do we really want to be led in this country by somebody who rejects the very system that he wants to lead? I want you to think about this. While they're trying to build and muscle up a centralized government, almost into an autocracy, where you can't choose your own health care, where your freedoms are very, very limited, where your individuality is marginalized, they're denouncing the legitimacy of the Declaration and the Constitution, and the reason is this holds them to a limited ability to control you. We're reaching a point of tyrannical rhetoric. Because if we really had a functioning Constitution, almost nothing the Democrats are proposing would work because they'd be unconstitutional. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Cory Booker has become one of the more insane of the group. Here's what he had to say at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina yesterday. Cut to go.
1: And that means we go back to the beginning and we need to acknowledge that the very founding of our country was an act of profound contradiction. Those who sought the most profound and glorious freedom in so many ways for so many people also perpetuated the very opposite. Bigotry was written into our founding documents native
0: americans how in the hell can you read the declaration of independence and come away with that conclusion how in the hell can you read the declaration of independence that's our founding document and come to that conclusion go ahead
1: in our declaration of independence <clears throat> referred to as savages in our constitution black people Are fractions of human beings.
0: And I've explained that over and over and over again that it's not as he says it is. And so now we have Democrat candidates running against the American founding, the Declaration, and the Constitution. How in the hell can we trust this country in the hands of these reprobates? That's right, I said it. Reprobates. Never seen anything like this in my life. I'll be right back. Buddy, Mark Levin here The number 877 381 877 381 Well the Democrats and the media tell us Hate crimes are up Hate crimes are up But why don't they tell us What kind of hate crimes are up Why don't they tell us What kind of hate crimes are up Are hate crimes up Because of hate crimes against Muslims No Against African Americans? No. Against Hispanics? No. 50% of the hate crimes so defined by the FBI are against Jews, who make up a small percentage of the population of this country. So when they report this at CNN and MSNBC, and when these Democrat candidates mention this, why don't they mention who most of the hate crimes are aimed at? And so when you hear the Democrat anti-Semite caucus of Omar and Talib and AOC, just for starters, and they're defended in the media, they're celebrated in the media, they're creations of the media, who is it that's spreading hate exactly? Where are the anti-Semites in the Republic, among the Republicans in the House? There aren't any. among the Republicans in the Senate, there aren't any. They're none. And how come they don't debate this in the democratic debates if they want to talk about isms? Why don't they do that? Well, I'm going to do that. There's a great piece in the lid. A great piece in the lid. That is the lidblog.com. If Trump's rhetoric caused El Paso shooting, Obama's rhetoric caused synagogue shootings. Saturday was a horrible day for America, writes Jeff Donetz. Two mass shootings, 31 people were killed, more than 50 injured. Liberals and the mainstream media were quick to place blame for the mass shootings on President Trump's rhetoric and his followers. You. And perhaps the most hypocritical example was former Vice President Joe Biden's speech that directly linked the anti-Trump interpretation of President Trump's rhetoric to his past this past weekend's shootings. If Biden really believes what he says, he should be slamming the anti-Jewish hatred spewed by Barack Obama, the president for whom he worked. Biden should be asked. If Trump's words incited this week's shootings, shouldn't you be blaming Obama's anti-Semitic words and actions for the recent synagogue shootings in Pittsburgh and Poway? The answer is yes. For example, Obama's July 31, 2015 phone call organized by the anti-Israel group J Street and other so-called progressive Jewish groups should be summed up in one sentence. Please help. Because those rich people are helping those warmongering Jews to fight this incredible Iran deal because they don't like me and they want to start a war just like they did in Iraq. Now in the 20-minute phone call, Obama said over and over, those opponents of the Iran deal come from the same, quote, array of forces that got us into the Iraq war, unquote. And he identified those forces as, quote, a bunch of billionaires who happily finance super PACs, unquote, and are putting the squeeze on members of Congress. The message was clear to the Jewish participants. William Daroff, Senior VP for Public Policy and Director of the Washington Office of the Jewish Federations of North America, tweeted during the meeting, quote, Jews are leading effort to kill Iran deal. Same people opposing the deal led us into the Iraq war, unquote. Followed with, Jews got us into the Iraq war. And in a meeting with a hand-picked list of Jewish leaders, Lee Rosenberg of APAC questioned Obama's statement comparing people who objected to the Iran deal with those who supported the invasion of Iraq because many anti-Semites claimed the Jews pushed Bush into evading Iraq. And Obama explained that Netanyahu supported the Iraq invasion. True. What the former president left out was that the prime minister at the time was Ariel Sharon. And Sharon strongly urged Bush not to invade Iraq. Obama also forgot to mention that his vice president, Joe Biden, both of his secretaries of state, Kerry and Clinton, and his biggest ally in the Senate, minority leader Harry Reid, all supported, voted for the invasion of Iraq in Congress and now support his flawed Iran deal. But Obama even doubled down, accusing the Jewish state of being a bunch of warmongers. During an August 2015 speech at American University, Obama again tried to scapegoat the Jews, saying, quote, so this deal is not just the best choice among alternatives. This is the strongest non-proliferation agreement ever negotiated. And because this is such a strong deal, every nation in the world that has commented publicly, with the exception of the Israeli government, has expressed support. Yes, Israel opposed the deal, but so did Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, UAE, Bangladesh, most of the other Sunni Muslim states. vehemently opposed the deal because of their feels that the Shia iran would use nukes to attack them. But Obama wanted to sca- scapegoat the Jews, and the media were quiet. Beginning with his first campaign for president, Obama surrounded himself with anti-Semites, like General Merkel McPeak, Merrill McPeak. McPeak was the 2008 Obama for president co-chair, who had an impressive resume of blaming our foreign policy on, quote, the Jewish lobby, unquote. Perhaps the best example of McPeak's anti-semitism was when he was asked during an interview why there isn't peace in the Middle East. His answer, New York City, Miami. We have a large vote. Vote here in favor of Israel. And no politician wants to run against it. In other words, those pesky Jews who control America's policy on the Middle East. One of his first presidential appointments was the anti-semitic Chaz Freeman, who blamed his resignation on the evil Israel lobby a nicer way to say the Jewish lobby. Actually, Chaz, it was a lot less than an evil Israel lobby. Much of it was the work of a few Jewish bloggers. One of them was named The Lid, who pointed out that you believe things like China was too gentle in putting down the Tiananmen Square protests, and the Muslims discovered America and worse. In 2015, Speaker Boehner invited two world leaders to speak to a joint session of Congress. Both times, the Speaker's invitation was made on his own without first checking with the White House. The invitation of the Jewish leader, Benjamin Netanyahu, was criticized by Obama. In fact, he encouraged his fellow Democrats to boycott the speech. The speech by the Second World Leader, Pope Francis, was celebrated, despite the White House not being informed of the invite before it was made. Obama denied Jewish ties to the land of Israel, which, according to the State Department definition, is anti-Semitic. In his 2009 Cairo speech, Obama said Israel was only created because people felt guilty about the Holocaust. He said America's strong bonds with Israel are well known. This bond is unbreakable. It's based upon cultural and historical ties and the recognition that the aspiration for a Jewish homeland is rooted in a tragic history that cannot be denied. Around the world, the Jewish people were persecuted for centuries, and anti-Semitism in Europe culminated in an unprecedented holocaust. Tomorrow I will visit Buchenwald, which was part of a network of camps where Jews were enslaved, tortured, shot, and gassed to death by the Third Reich. Six million Jews were killed, more than the entire Jewish population of Israel today. Obama showed the world that he honored anti-Semitism. His first Presidential Medal of Freedom honorees was Bishop Desmond Tutu and Mary Robinson. The friendliest thing Bishop Desmond Tutu ever said about Jews was, quote, people are scared in this country, the U.S., to say wrong is wrong because the Jewish lobby is powerful. Now, he also said that the Jews thought they had a monopoly on God. Tutu's co-honoree, Mary Robinson, presided over the World Conference Against Racism, Racial Discrimination, Xenophobia, and Related Intolerance. That turned into a nonstop hate fest against Jews in Israel. The conference was so anti Semitic that Colin Powell, the Secretary of State at the time, walked out. During his presidency, Obama has allied himself with Al Sharpton, who was a leader of the anti Semitic pogrom in Crown Heights and incited the anti Semitic firebombing of Freddie's Fashion Mart in Harlem. He sent his closest advisor, Valerie Jarrett. ...to keynote an anti-Semitic ISNA conference... ...whose discussions included... ...how key Obama aides are Israeli... ...proving Jews have control of the world... ...and how the Holocaust is the punishment of Jews... ...for being serially disobedient to Allah. In 2010, Obama's National Security Advisor... ...General Jim Jones... ...gave the keynote speech... ...at a Washington Institute for Near East Policy... ...and started it out with an anti-Semitic joke teaching the crowd that Jews are just greedy merchants in the same vein as Shakespeare's Shylock. For his second Secretary of Defense, Obama appointed Chuck Hagel, who believed in the nefarious, quote, worldwide Jewish conspiracy, unquote. Hagel was once quoted as saying, the political reality is that the Jewish lobby intimidates a lot of people up here. Obama once again called Spignu Brzezinski, Mika Brzezinski's father, by the way, someone I have learned an immense amount from, and one of our most outstanding scholars and thinkers. And back in 2007, Brzezinski schooled the future president on foreign policy. The former national security advisor to Jimmy Carter is a Judeophobic conspiracy theorist who believes the Jews controlled U.S. foreign policy and Congress. Of the anti Semitic Occupy Wall Street movement, Obama said we're on their side. Radical Islamists attacked the kosher supermarket, hypercatcher, French for super kosher") in Paris on a Friday afternoon. The attack happened just before the Jewish Sabbath, when they knew it would be crowded with Jews. Obama first insisted it was not an anti-Semitic act. And when the world leaders came together the march in Paris as a protest against the Charlie Hebdo shooting and the anti-Semitic hypercatcher attack, Obama was conspicuous in his absence. During his last year as president... Obama's State Department condemned Israel for allowing people to build houses on land on the western side of the Jordan River. But that's only part of the story. The property was legally purchased in 2009 by Dr. Irving and Cherna Moskowitz from a U.S. Presbyterian church. There were no complaints when the Presbyterian church owned it. But Team Obama wasn't objecting to the fact that the houses were being built on that land back then if the homes were intended for Christian or Muslim families, they would have said nothing. As it was with so many other cases during the Obama administration, the objection was based on that Jews were going to live in those buildings. There's no other faith in the world that the Obama administration objected to legally purchasing land or buildings than moving into the property they legally purchased. Obama signed the bipartisan trade ...Facilitation and Trade Enforcement Act of 2015... ...which contained provisions fighting the anti-Semitic BDS movement... ...but upon signing the bill... ...announced that he would not enforce... ...its anti-BDS provisions against Israel... ...and one of the last acts of Obama's president... ...was abstaining on a UN Security Council resolution... ...that abstention was named by the Simon Wiesenthal Center... ...as the most anti-Semitic act of 2016... U.S. President Obama's abstention was actually an endorsement of an onerous one-sided resolution that, among other items, defines Judaism's holiest site as occupied Palestinian territory and encourages nations to undertake the boycott of goods made by Jews in East Jerusalem and the West Bank. Make no mistake, they said, this new resolution, developed with the Obama administration's knowledge and some say with its collusion, is much worse and more dangerous than the United Nations' notorious 1975 Zionism equals racism resolution. So you see, folks, the list of Obama's anti-Semitism would be much longer if examples from the Obama administration's own definition of how anti-Israel acts and statements could be considered anti-Semitic were added. Obama's hatred of Jews met that definition also. But you get the idea. Not once, not once in all those and other cases where Obama and his team seem to step over the line into anti-Semitism territory were there questions from the media asking Obama if he had an issue with Jews. Not once did any of the mainstream media point out Obama's possible anti-Semitism. But they invent Trump's racism. And if Joe Biden believes words create maniacs who want to kill people, why was he silent? standing next to Obama here's the bottom line he writes I do not believe Obama's anti-Semitic speech and or actions motivated the shootings at the Pittsburgh or Poway synagogue shootings nor do I think Bernie Sanders had anything to do with the shooting of Representative Scalise at a GOP baseball practice and Elizabeth Warren motivated a Dayton shooting and I certainly don't believe the liberal line that Trump incited this weekend's horrible massacres but if liberal politicians Media talking heads, and especially Joe Biden, are blaming Trump's words for the massacres in Dayton and Ohio, then it's just as legitimate to blame Obama for the horrible synagogue shootings in recent months. Now stick that. I'll be right back.
1: love, in.
0: Go to brickhouselevin.com, brickhouse, L E V I N.com, offer code Levin. I want you to listen to these words, which I think are precious and profound, crucially important, especially now. Then I'll tell you the source. Unlike the early Patriot press, today's newsrooms and journalists are mostly hostile to America's founding principles, traditions, and institutions. They do not promote free speech and press freedom, despite their self-serving and self-righteous claims. Indeed, they serve as societal filters attempting to enforce uniformity of thought and social and political activism centered on the progressive ideology and agenda. Issues, events, groups, and individuals that do not fit the narrative are dismissed or diminished, Those that do fit the narrative are elevated and celebrated. Of course, this paradigm greatly influences the culture, the government, and the national psyche. It defines a media-created reality, whether or not it has a basis in true reality, around which individuals organize their thoughts, beliefs, and in some cases, their lives. It bears remembering that the purpose of a free press, like the purpose of free speech, is to nurture the mind, communicate ideas challenge ideologies, share notions, inspire creativity, and advocate and reinforce America's founding principles. That is, to contribute to a vigorous, productive, healthy, and happy individual and to a well-functioning civil society and republic. And the media are to expose official actions aimed at squelching speech and communication. But when the media function as a propaganda tool for a single political party and ideology, they not only destroy their own purpose, but threaten the very existence of a free republic. Is that not what's happening today, Mr. Producer? Does this not hit the nail on the head? This is in the introduction of Unfreedom of the Press. I cannot, more than I have, express my hope that the information in this book will be spread widely. We must engage those who are tearing our country apart. Those who are trying to attack our traditions and our customs and now attack our declaration and our constitution. What kind of society are they seeking to create? We must advance our ideas. We must expose who these people are. We must... Stop them. And that's the purpose of Unfreedom of the Press. Many of you, many of you have a copy. I hope many, many more will get it. Amazon.com, any responsible bookstore. Be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com BrickHouseLevin.com Offer code LEVIN
1: Mark Levin Liberties, General, Patent Call into the Mark Levin Show now at
0: 877-381-3811 folks just reporting to you Off-duty firefighter stops man armed with 100 rounds of ammo at South Springfield Walmart in Missouri. This is from uh, KY3, local TV station. Springfield Police Department says they responded to a call of an active shooter at the Walmart neighborhood market at Republic Road near Golden Avenue. Springfield Police arrived on scene within three minutes of the call. Police stated that a young white male, appearing to be in his 20s, pulled up to the Walmart where he donned body armor and military fatigues. Police say the man had tactical weapons. Police then say the man walked into the Walmart, neighborhood Walmart, where he grabbed a cart and began pushing it around the store. Police say the man was recording himself walking through the store via his cell phone. The store manager at the neighborhood market pulled a fire alarm, urging people to escape the store. Police say the man then made his way out an emergency exit, where a firefighter held the man at gunpoint. At that moment, Springfield Police arrived on the scene to detain the man. The Springfield Police Department could not confirm the nature of statements said by the man to those inside the Walmart. But they do confirm that the man had loaded weapons and over a hundred rounds of ammunition. Police also observed many shoppers hiding outside the Walmart. Hold on. Let's see here. And at nearby businesses, Lieutenant Michael Lucas said it was clear the man's intent was to cause chaos. Saying in part his intent was not to cause peace or comfort. He's lucky he's still alive, to be honest. Police identified the man's vehicle and are investigating the possibility of more firearms inside the vehicle. That's all I know. Obviously nobody was shot. And a firefighter, armed, arrested him. In effect. Mr. Uh, Call screener. We have a caller from this uh, from this area, George, Springfield, Missouri. What's the call letters, Rich? XM Satellite. Go.
3: Hey, good afternoon, Mark, and thank you for taking my call. Long time listener, first time caller. Yes, thank you. From Springfield, Missouri. I want to thank you for all the work that you do to keep all of us Americans informed of the news and on the other side of the story. It's very enlightening. Uh, to, to hear uh, the other side of the story. Second thing, I have ordered your book on Saturday through Amazon. And I All right, now before
0: we get there, you're in Springfield, Missouri. And uh, this report that I just read, is it accurate to the best of your knowledge?
3: Yes, sir, because I go shop to that particular neighborhood, Walmart, and I haven't drove by this afternoon, but that is correct. It's on the evening news right now. Mm-hmm. And thanks to the firefighter that was off-duty, and who was a private citizen, obviously.
0: You have an armed uh, private yeah. citizen, an off-duty firefighter, who, uh, who stopped him in his tracks. Not, not that he had uh, shot anybody. He hadn't at that point. But uh, you're not walking around a Walmart armed to the teeth with 100 rounds and fatigues if you're there to, uh, to help old ladies across the street. I can tell you that.
3: Exactly. How can you miss a guy uh, wearing a, uh, a bulletproof vest and a rifle and, and with all the rounds of ammunition I had,
0: you know, good job on the firefighter that spotted. Well there, there again, what the media will not emphasize is there's a man, the firefighter, off duty, he's not a police officer. he's carrying a weapon, and he stops this, whatever he is, stops this guy who's in fatigues with the body armor and a hundred rounds of bullets.:
3: That is correct, sir yes no one, one shot was fired. No one life was spared. Nobody got hurt. So mm-hmm. it's like, like, like you say many times, it's not uh, guns that kill people. It's people that kill people. And, course, and so
0: what, what laws should we pass as a result of this? I mean, this is crazy. I don't, I don't know what law. I don't know what politicians in Washington, media outlets in Washington. I don't know what they think we can do other than have a smart citizenry, a citizenry that's prepared to defend itself. Mark,
3: there's too much gun violence. On the video games and
0: on the movies. All right, sir. Everybody's got their ideas. Everybody's got... Let me tell you something. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. If the video games were to blame, we'd have 1,000 thousand and ten thousand kids out there shooting up the place. We don't. We have no idea if these last shooters watch video games. We don't have the foggiest idea. And for all I know, police officers watch video games, and they don't have a problem with them. So these are these are things that people throw around, and they make assertions, and I don't know anything about it. I really don't. But thank you for your call. I really do appreciate it. Oz, folks, I just don't follow the pack here. I, I'm trying to think for myself, and you should too. People have easy answers. Man, well, it must be video games. Well, you know. Must be movies. Must be what bothers me is the people who make the video games or the people who make the movies tend to be leftists. And they'll be all for it. gun control and red flags and this, that and the other. Just don't touch us. Lynn, San Jose, California, the great KSFO. Go.
4: Thank you for taking my call, Mark. I just want to go back for a second when you were talking about the the man in Dayton that shot everybody. I worked in the public school system for 26 years. And, you know, we would have kids that would get bullied. We would take them in, um, and they wouldn't do anything. You know, it would be, well, you don't know what that child's going through at home. And well, But stuff. this is
0: even worse. In this case, this guy was a standout reprobate. He had a list of males he wanted to kill, a list of females he wanted to rape. It was well known that he promoted violence and so forth and my only point is if we're going to do this blame gain stuff then where the hell was the mayor where the hell was the school board where the hell was the principal where were the administrators where were the teachers in other words how the hell do you blame the president of the united states plus the guy's a socialist it's
4: not, it, it's not the president he's doing everything he's not the one that's spreading the hate you know
0: i i you want to see hate lynn turn on cnn you see a lot of hate there
4: Oh, my God. Oh, every day.
0: Tur- every- Turn on MSNBC. You see a lot of hate there? Yes. I, it, the greatest it, hater on TV is Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski. You, have, you see them?
4: Yes. And Booker. And
0: and have- Don Lemon, Lemon. Of, of the journalists. Yeah, listen to this guy, Booker and Beto. Robert Francis O'Rourke. Listen to these people. Listen to how they talk. Go ahead, ma'am.
4: Probably about the same age. I'm probably a little older than you. I am just horrified. I can, I, when Obama was, a, was became president, I listened to him. And what did I hear? I heard the hate. Already it started. The white people, the white people. It's like, I'm a Native American, but I'm considered white. You know, and I don't hate people. I don't judge them by them, their color. Well, Elizabeth and,
0: Warren's white and she's considered Native American.
4: And I don't care. You know, it's like. But I,
0: I, I want to point out what just happened in Missouri, Springfield, Missouri. Okay. Oh, yeah. A man, hold on now, an armed American citizen, an off-duty firefighter, confronted an individual who was dressed in fatigues and had a hundred rounds with him. An off-duty firefighter with a weapon. Now, Depending on what these clowns in Congress do, it may become more and more difficult for an off-duty firefighter, an American citizen, to have a weapon to protect his community, to protect himself, to protect his family, to protect a store. And so the wrong message will be given by the media and the Democrats and the political class based on this. The wrong message. Thank you for your call, ma'am. I really, really appreciate it. Rob, Nutley, New Jersey, the great W.A.B.C., go. Oh,
2: Mr. Levin, uh, God bless you. You're a national treasure. Uh, my wife uh, is chronically ill, and uh, she's been listening to you for years. And uh, I, I just have to say, your analysis of the two shooters, uh, the manifesto and the other one, uh, its you know, the facts are obvious. There's absolutely nothing to have in common with Trump. The one mention of Trump has to do with the boy disavowing his connection to Trump. But, you know, these uh, hard left Marxists, it's just, you know, don't bother with facts. You know, just like, don't uh, annoy me with anything that's real. Just immediately turn it into political propaganda.
0: These are facts. So, they won't report the facts.
2: Right. It's what you say. And I have to say, my wife told me, Betty Ann said to say, A little uh, ginger lemon tea, because last day or so I've been hearing that you're really... You know what
0: it is? I have asthma. So no lemon and tea is going to fix that. So from time to time it acts up, and other times it doesn't. I'm just being honest with you, because I know it's annoying to listen to. Trust me on that.
2: Uh, a book on academia uh, of the quality of the book that you uh, have just put out, would, I, I think, would be a great, a great help to this nation.
0: Well, that's uh, my plan. We'll see where it goes, or if we have backbenchers who try and jump in front. But you have to admit, Rob, nobody writes a book like I do. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, don't hang up. I'm going to send—do we have any audio, Mr. Producer? I think we do. An audio version of Unfreedom of the Press to your wonderful wife. Okay, Rob?
2: appreciate that. That would be. We're trying to survive right outside of Cory Booker land. We live in uh, Nutley. It's just north. And that of Cory Newark.
0: Booker did such a hell of a great job for Newark, didn't he? And and he's done a hell of a great job for New Jersey. In fact, his business is done now. He wants to do it for America.
2: Let Let me say one thing about Mister Booker. He's on TV, and this is what he did. He wants to beat up our president. Violence. This is what he said. You know the clip I'm talking about, right? Hey, he wants then, to punch
0: the president in the face.
2: Then he's an old man, and he's feeble. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about people, right at that clip, if you listen to the whole clip, through, about body shaming, right? And what did he just do? They're so unaware of what they actually
0: He's a said. punk. I'm going to be honest with you. Cory Booker's a punk. That's all he is. He didn't do any great things in, in uh, Newark. He didn't, hasn't done any great things as a senator. Uh, and I want to ask you a question. Can any of these candidates bring America together? I'm sorry? Can any of these candidates, the way they talk, the things they say, can they bring this nation together?
2: I don't buy newspapers, but I wouldn't buy yesterday's newspaper from them. There's only one man, and nobody get, better get between my wife and me when it's time to go to the polls to vote. For, uh,
0: All uh, right, uh, my <laughs> brother. Thank you, Rob. You take care of yourself and your wife. Much appreciated. You know, folks, it's no longer shocking at this point, but guess what? Bureaucrats at the Department of Health and Human Services are trying to borrow another one of the crackpot socialist Bernie Sanders' healthcare ideas. I can't see a thing wrong with it, can you, other than it might make you very sick. Following Sanders' lead, HHS has proposed a program to allow states to import some prescription drugs from Canada and God knows where else. Now let's start with the fact that none of these states, let alone Canada or other countries, have any systems in place to determine if the drug's coming into the U.S. or what the labels say they are, where they're from, China, India, etc., or who made them. So as such, there is zero accountability, zero ability to know if what you're taking is remotely safe. Canadian officials have been very clear about their safety concerns, saying that counterfeit drugs are already a major global problem. There are a lot of things really, really wrong with our healthcare system, but fortunately, drug safety is not one of them. Drug importation is dangerous, and it's just shocking that leaders at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services would even consider such a harebrained idea. Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. 833 RING BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code Levin. That's brickhouse, L E V I N dot com, or call 833 RING B H N, promo code Levin. You know, demand letters from the IRS are hitting the mail. If you owe back taxes, you may be receiving one soon. When it arrives, you'll have questions like, is it true the IRS can garnish my paycheck? Yes. Can the IRS really take my home and bank accounts? Yes. And can they take my retirement savings? Yes. The IRS can do that and a lot more. But there is a way out, and our friends at Optima Tax Relief are the experts. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an official government program for tax debt assistance. Nobody, nobody knows more about the Fresh Start Initiative than the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. Optima's mission is to stand between you and the IRS, fighting to help protect your paycheck and assets, and helping you get the best deal possible. But don't delay, because the IRS can tack on hefty penalties and interest every day. Call Optima now for your free consultation while you still have options. Here's the number. 800-499-6300. 6300 Don't go to bed with stress. Don't live every day freaked out. Call Optima Tax Relief. They're the best. They have experts, former IRS lawyers and auditors who will work for you on your side, help protect you and your assets. That's 800-499-6300. Some restrictions apply, but for complete details, you can visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. OptimaTaxRelief.com. A real journalist, Paul Bedard, in the Washington Examiner today says liberal media outlets have become unhinged over the mass slangs in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio, with the left wing bias reaching unprecedented levels, according to critics of the coverage. Unprecedented levels of left wing bias by the media in their coverage of El Paso and the Daytona tragedies, tweeted Brent Bozell. This is just a sample of the shameful partisan propaganda. Being peddled by so-called journalists, he added, providing a link from his Newsbusters site of examples. And uh, at the RNC, top aides have also charted examples. Rapid Response Director Steve Guest called the reactions unhinged. For examples, MSNBC anchor and former Bush spokeswoman Nicole Wallace said that Trump is taking, talking about exterminating Latinos. She later tweeted that she had misspoke. Lawrence O'Donnell show, the last word ran the Chiron, "Trump inspired terrorism." A guest on Brian Williams show, NBC contributor Frank Figaluzzi, said that Trump re-raising U.S. flags today on August eighth, after lowering them for the shootings, was very significant to the neo-Nazi movement. Remember, we played this yesterday, because they feel the number eight stands for H and double eight is Heil Hitler. CNN producer Wajahat Ali cheered. Hashtag Massacre Moscow Mitch in a tweet, a reference to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Now, Bozell's group, meanwhile, set up a special page titled El Paso Dayton Shootings to chart the buys. Here's some of the headlines. Angry Trevor Noah slams Fox for not demanding gun control. MSNBC's Melvin scolds Trump incapable, unwilling to show empathy, unlike Obama. Nets hammer Trump while touting outrageous Democrat rhetoric. Condescending CNN looks to Mexico, Venezuela to lecture U.S. on gun policy. MSNBC's Chris Hayes, president poses existential threat to America. Networks silent on Ohio shooters' leftist socialist politics. Boston Globe email, quote, Republicans don't value people, just NRA blood money. Then there's a wonderful piece in the American Spectator by David Catron, who I have great admiration for. I enjoy reading his pieces, and we may delve into this a little bit more next hour if we have time. It's entitled, The Media's Disgusting Bloodlust. These vampires are sucking the life out of the social contract. If you pay serious attention to network and cable commentators after mass shootings, you'll see something nearly as alarming as the atrocities themselves— Set aside for a moment the horror of the event about which they are holding forth, and it will become obvious that their solemn expressions are well-rehearsed affectations that mask a morbid glee. As you lament truncated lives and traumatized survivors, these creatures count eyeballs and clicks. While you worry about the health of our society, they search for a connection to some conservative cause or politician, and the print media are just as ghoulish. I'm going to continue with this outstanding piece, and I hope during the break you'll take a, take a look at the unfreedom of the press over there at Amazon. It's filled with explanations about what's going on here today, what took place yesterday, what will take place tomorrow, and my God, we must engage these people to get our country back. And I'll be right back. 3811. One, one. Um, been very little reporting about what took place in Missouri. I was listening to the top of the hour network news that I get. They said nothing. Instead, uh, they very cleverly, the media, uh, went to Eric Swalwell to attack the president and quoted Nancy Pelosi, who attacked the president. And they're all aimed at also Mitch McConnell now, who is buckling because he's up for re election. Says he will not. Call back the Senate. However, McClatchy's reporting McConnell suggests Senate could look at assault weapons ban and background checks. He's under severe pressure, they write, from Democrats and a growing number of Republicans. He suggested Thursday the Senate could look at a ban ban on assault weapons and that there's Senate support for a move to expand background checks to nearly all gun sales. Now, let me just say this to you. The media even used the language of the left, assault weapons. If I were to ask Tracy Glantz, who wrote this article at McClatchy, D.C. Bureau, what's an assault weapon, she couldn't describe it, and neither could anybody else. If you hit somebody over the head with a frying pan, that's an assault weapon. If you punch somebody in the face, your fist is, is an assault weapon. If you hit somebody with a baseball bat, the baseball bat's an assault weapon. It's interesting to see white liberal America, whether leaders of the Democrat Party or the media, joined by uh, others in the Democrat Party and the media, conduct themselves the way they do. You could have body bag after body bag in the inner cities, and you hear nothing, nothing, nothing. It's interesting to hear the mayor of Dayton, Ohio, takes on no responsibility for her own government's failure or the failure of the institutions in Dayton, whether it's the school system, the school board. A long history this killer had in Dayton, Ohio, as if the President of the United States is to be aware of it. And as if the president talking about immigration had anything to do with Dayton, it had nothing to do with Dayton. A man who admired Elizabeth Warren. And Bernie Sanders. Are Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warden questioning about this? Never. This is twice with Bernie Sanders, including the shooter at the baseball park two years ago. But since he favors gun confiscation, or I should say gun control, he's in the clear. The nut job in El Paso lists a whole bunch of reasons. In addition to his racist reasons. the Trump, you see, that's the narrative. So now every time we've been mass murder, it's on Trump. Is that it? I want to go back to this piece, this brilliant piece by David Catron over at the American Spectator. And let me begin at the top. The title is The Media's Disgusting Bloodlust. These vampires are sucking the life out of the social contract. If you pay serious attention to network and cable commentators after a mass shooting, you'll see something nearly as alarming as the atrocities themselves. Set aside for a moment the horror of the event about which they are holding forth, and it will become obvious that their solemn expressions are well-rehearsed affectations that mask a morbid glee. As you lament truncated lives and traumatized survivors, these creatures count eyeballs and clicks. While you worry about the health of our society, they search for a connection to some conservative cause or politician. And the print media are just as ghoulish. It hasn't always been so, however. The media have long been biased, of course, and that reality has been factored in by intelligent viewers and readers. But this phenomenon is scarier. To illustrate how much the so-called news media has changed in just a few decades, think back to the murders of Sharon Tate, and four others by the so-called Manson family. Charles Manson claimed this horrifying slaughter was inspired by the Beatles' song, Helter Skelter. The universal response from the press, the public, and the song's author, Paul McCartney, was that the man was crazy. No sane adult took Manson's claim seriously. Yet in our society, ostensibly serious journalists would have you believe that a massacre committed by a psychopath in El Paso was the inevitable result of something President Trump said on Twitter, or the random chance of people attending one of his political rallies. This is just as crazy as Manson's claim about Helter Skelter, a song written about nothing more sinister than a type of English fairground. Still, rather than adopting the rational position taken by the Fourth Estate when a mass murderer started gibbering about a Beatles tune, Contributors of today's news outlets, so-called, make Manson seem sane. And he gives a number of examples. They remind that much of what they say and write about the president is fiction, particularly where race is concerned. Millions of Native Americans actually believe these things. This is where the media are doing real harm to the social contract that holds this republic together. To state what should be obvious, even considering the deficiencies of our public school system. A social contract means that we live peacefully together in a society pursuant to an implied agreement that everyone will adhere to a variety of moral and political rules of behavior. Our social contract is made explicit by the United States Constitution. And I might add that Constitution, which Joe Biden and Cory Booker have attacked in the last 48 hours. That document provides protection for the media because the framers believe they would provide a check on our elected officials and a guarantee of honest government. It's unconstitutional to abridge freedom of the press because journalists, in theory, will assure that the activities of our rulers are conducted in the light of day. The problem is that the media are made up of human beings who are just as greedy and corruptible as politicians. So what if there is better money and slander? Is there any way to stop the press from abusing its power? <coughs> Thomas Jefferson, hardly an enemy of the free press, phrased it as this: The power to restrain slander is fully possessed by the several state legislatures. It was reserved to them. It was denied to the general government by the constitution, according to our construction of it. While we deny that Congress have a right to control the freedom of the press, we've ever asserted the right of the states ...and their exclusive right to do so. The reality is that the media become a clear and present danger to the republic. Wednesday, President Trump was met by hecklers in Dayton... ...where he came to meet with victims of a mass shooting... ...perpetrated by a leftist supporter of Democratic presidential candidate... ...Elizabeth Warren and I might add Bernie Sanders. These hecklers have been deliberately misled by most of the national media... ...and we only know the truth thanks to the work of a few genuine reporters... Should the states begin exercising their exclusive right to curtail media malpractice within their jurisdictions and to stop the damage they are doing to social fabric of society? In other words, these these, uh, defamation suits, Uh, the way the Constitution was constructed was you couldn't bring them at the federal level, but you could continue to bring them at the state level because most states allowed for people to protect their reputations and their character by lawsuits within the state judicial system. The Supreme Court eliminated that for all intents and purposes. For all intents and purposes when it comes to public officials. We are ignored to the belief that freedom of the press is sacrosanct, but neither the Democrats nor the left in general hesitate to silence any voice that fails to adhere to the party line. If there are decades of so-called news coverage that follows The old adage, if it bleeds, it leads. And the accompanying canard that the carnage is caused by cruel policies conceived by conservatives and Republicans. The only surprise is there isn't more unrest and violence than we are actually seeing. It's time to stop the bloodlust, he writes, of the media from using human tragedies like El Paso and Daytona to divide society and make a few bucks. What he's saying is, let's breathe life back into those state defamation laws let's curtail if not reverse the New York Times versus Sullivan and there was some thought in that direction by none other than the great Clarence Thomas because ladies and gentlemen if this continues the country's over you have a marriage between the radical extreme progressives that is the democratic socialists or really socialist democrats even worse and the media. And the bureaucracy. It's the Iron Triangle. The media, the bureaucracy, and the Democrat Party. And it is smothering this country. It's choking this country. They don't like the election results. They seek to reverse them. They drag this country through one hell after another. Through one propaganda event after another. <clears throat> it is it is destructive of this society. You can't call them the enemy of the people? Well what do you call this? Is Brian Stelter not the enemy of the people? Is Don Lemon not the enemy of the people? Is Joe Scarborough not the enemy of the people? Well what are they? What are they? They're like the Tokyo roses. ...against the American system of government. These people are anti-press. Not press. They're anti-press. I'll be right back.
1: Mark
0: From the Daily Signal, the Heritage Foundation... As the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention noted in a 2013 report, almost all national studies of defensive gun uses have found that firearms are used in self-defense between 500,000 and 3 million times every year in the United States. Even the center's own internal data indicates that firearms are used defensively about 1 million times a year. And the Republicans are on the run and they're buckling. And they're buckling. It is terribly disheartening. Terribly disheartening. That we get to this point. And the language that's used by the left is absolutely incredible. CNN, Chris Cuomo, the dumbest of the Cuomo's, even dumber than his brother, the governor of New York, and that's saying a lot. He ran this uh, phony charade on CNN, but CNN is one big phony charade. I mean, their politics and their bigotry and their partisanship is, uh, is unequivocal. On gun control, not on mass murder, but on gun control. So they've already figured out what the answer is. A news operation, of course. And I want you to listen to some of this from uh, Chris Cuomo and uh, I guess one of their uh, guests or audience members. Cut eight. Go.
3: Do you believe uh, another one of the arguments that's offered up is, well, if they didn't have these. They'd use something else. Uh, and if you even took away access to guns, if magically you found up some matrix of laws and processes, well, then they'll use knives and they'll use cars and they'll use explosives and you'll be in the same place. Do you believe
0: that? Of course, that's uh, never happened, folks. Of course. Nobody's ever used knives, explosives, cars. That's never happened. And so we must dismiss that. We're on a mission, you see. A zealot is on a mission. On a mission to pretend they're actually doing something against evil people when, in fact, they're not. They're undermining the Bill of Rights and your rights. Go ahead.
3: No, I don't, because look what happened in Dayton. I mean, a 100-round drum, 32 seconds— Nine dead, a number injured. I mean, you cannot do that in such a short amount of time. So I, I think that theory is false. You see, Shane here's the Harry.
0: problem. Here's, here's the problem. This was not really a news program aimed at seeking objective truth. There would have been a number of people there, not on the issue solely of guns, but on the myriad of issues that might be affecting behavior. And creating evil. But CNN doesn't want that. Nobody there, clergy, to talk about faith. In our uh, uh, distancing ourselves from uh, from morality and virtue, pushing God out of the classroom, pushing religious scenes out of the public square, mocking people of faith, attacking the culture. They didn't want a discussion that included that. Now, did they? No, they don't. Go ahead.
3: Harrison, where are we? Great. What is your question? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Do you believe uh, another one of the arguments that...
0: Well, that was strange, Mr. Producer. Another one of the arguments that what? I guess we had a technical... Well, I know the clip is over. Little technical problem, I take it. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, there was more of that during the course of that program. Really, leading questions. You know, it it, it just uh, the media do not want an honest discussion in this country. They don't want to report the news honestly. They don't want to have an honest debate. We're now in a rush to judgment, always moving to the left, always separating ourselves from civil liberties, individual liberty the rule of law, uh, always pretending that there's some quick legislative fix in Washington, D.C., and then when there isn't, and they pass all these laws and something happens, you know what's going to happen next? I told you we need something more. It's like Obamacare, like I said the other day. Now we're down to uh, Medicare for All, which is a government-run, iron-fisted, Soviet-style, centralized health care system. And this is where these things are always headed. Because the the progressive answer is not a fix. It's not a fix. We don't even ask the right questions. We don't even pursue the right people. The mayor, Dayton, is lecturing the president of the United States. She's calling the president of the United States' name. This was on her watch in her city. Isn't anybody interested in how the school system failed? how his teachers failed, how the principal failed. Who the hell knew what was going on who were, who were actually in touch with this kid before he became an adult and slaughtered these people? I don't believe it's the responsibility of Trump company or Trump presidency. Well, it's his language, you see, that caused it. Oh, I see. His language. So this nut job is sitting around waiting for the president's language. Then he's going to act. And the nutjob who came out of the suburbs of Dallas and went all the way to El Paso, him too. He just sitting there, waiting for the president to say something, and that set him off. What a bunch of lies. What a bunch of lies. And Katrona's right. The bloodlust of the media. Are the media serving us, ladies and gentlemen? Is that what they're doing? Or are they destroying this society? Joe Biden goes out there the other day and attacks the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of the American Fountain. And he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Cory Booker, a political plagiarist, he hears the same thing, he does the same thing. Not held to account by any reporter. That same Constitution that protects these reporters. I'll be right back.
3: The champion
1: of liberty and true conservatism Call Mark now
3: 877-381-3811
0: CNN and the others won't hold any specials Over the slaughter that takes place in our inner cities There's a report now Four dead, two wounded in a stabbing in Garden Grove, California That's a mass murder by definition With a machete. Four murdered, two wounded in Garden Grove, California. And nobody's going to give a damn. You see, for our media and the left, certain lives are more important than other lives. If they serve a political purpose. I'm sorry, this is the stark truth. You've seen it all week. If they serve a political purpose they'll not only highlight it, they'll push it, push it, push it, push it. But if it's seven black people in Chicago, it'll get passing mention. If it's four people who are murdered by a machete, a man wielding a machete, it'll get passing mention, if at all, because it's a machete. These are very sick times And much of it has to do with the progressive left. They have devoured our culture. They have devoured our governing system. They have devoured our media. They have devoured our schools, colleges, universities. And so we're on defense. Religion and faith are on defense. Morality and virtue are on defense. The family structure is on defense. Our declaration and constitution are on defense. Our police and law enforcement, our militaries on defense. This country was founded by slaveholders. It's to be dismissed, says Joe Biden. I am so disgusted with these people, you have no idea. Disgusted. And to listen to one dumber than the next, Kirsten Gillibrand What a buffoon. Kamala Harris, absolute clown. Cory Booker, a loudmouth. Bernie Sanders, an old red. Elizabeth Warren, a fraud. You go right down the list. Joe Biden, barely literate. Joe Biden is a chameleon. He'll do and say anything he has to do and say. That's been his entire life from plagiarism and lying about his academic record and beyond. Man's been in government nearly 50 years, nearly half a century. And he whines about the status quo. Woe is me. And then we need the enemies, you see. National Rifle Association, an association of individual Americans who voluntarily join an organization to protect one of their Bill of Rights can't have that that's the enemy the ACLU is not the enemy Antifa is not the enemy Soros isn't the enemy no the NRA is the enemy Planned Parenthood that's not the enemy Planned Parenthood responsible for separating a lot of kids from their parents and slaughtering them that's not the enemy no 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 no. that's a choice that's a choice The same damn political party that is the party of slavery, the party of segregation, the party of Jim Crow, the party of late-term abortion and infanticide lectures you and me about racism and life. This is progress. They call themselves progressives, don't you know? Do they know who founded Planned Parenthood? Why don't they have a... uh, a CNN meeting on that. A eugenicist who wanted to extinguish the black population. And they're doing a hell of a job of it, those Planned Parenthood offices and others in these abortion clinics in the inner city. But that's not a civil right. No, no, that's a choice. It's a choice. Incredible would it be nice if search engines and social media sites were unbiased platforms that didn't choose political sides? Keep dreaming. In 2016, the tech elites at Google bragged about donating millions of dollars to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Now, these big tech companies that restrict the free speech rights of others, especially conservatives, are the very same corporations we're trusting to handle our personal data online. Now, I don't want them using my web history or video searches against me. And that's why I use ExpressVPN every time I go online. When I use ExpressVPN, these tech companies, well, they can't see my IP address at all. My identity is masked and made anonymous. Plus, ExpressVPN has the added benefit of encrypting 100% of your data to keep you safe from hackers and Internet bad guys. Protect your data. Protect your privacy. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. And I've got more to say. This group, J Street, for those of you who don't know, you can Google it, This is a front group of Israel haters, led by self-hating Jews who are secularists and leftists. And the anti-Semites and the anti-Israel crowd, the Bernie Sanders types, the Barack Obama crowd, they love this group, J Street. The James Baker, did I say James Baker? You're damn right I did. The James Baker crowd, they love J Street. Because they can hide behind and say, well, see this group? These Jewish people here, they agree with me. They're hideous in what they try to do. Free Beacon, a magnificent website, Graham Pirro. J Street, anti-Semitism charges against Omar, Ilhan Omar, are reckless. Liberal advocacy group J Street, well, they're worse than that defended Representative Ilyan Omar against accusations of anti-Semitism, telling the Washington Times such charges are reckless. Logan Bayroff, communications director for the group, told the Times that criticisms of Omar were politically motivated and undermined bipartisan efforts to support Israel. You hear this? Other groups differed on whether or not Omar's controversial remarks requ- You will never hear this about Trump. I get all his comments, uh they're using his comments against him and their attacks on him are reckless. You won't hear J Street say that. Other groups differed, of course. The American Jewish Congress criticized the perceived weaponization. But it doesn't matter. Last year, Palestinian National Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. Now, this is a man who in his past has been a terrorist. This is a man who spends... Millions and millions of dollars of the money they get from foreign governments to enrich himself, his family members, and his cousins, and his other inbreds, and uh, his, uh, his, the other mobsters who run the Palestinian Authority. They take over various industries, various geographic areas, and they run it like a mob operation. But he uses tens of millions of dollars, he does, to subsidize terrorists for killing Jews. And this is the guy who apparently is going to lead a second state. You see, a two-state solution, which in my view would be Israel's final solution. Now remember, Omar co-sponsored uh, a resolution supporting the boycott, divest, and sanction movement. She's made some of the most hideous anti-Semitic statements. Th- this is what's amazing to me. They accuse Trump of racism, but her—no, you know, she is to be defended. You know, that's so reckless to accuse her of those things. So Abbas praised J Street for, quote, their efforts to support the peace process within American society. He, Abbas praised J Street. It's the fifth column, it and others, when it comes to the state of Israel. And I wanted to point out this state delegate in Virginia, this creep, this clown, this jerk, Ibrahim Samira. Now, when he was running, he's, he's obviously a Muslim. And he said, you have nothing to fear from me. I'm a very mainstream Democrat. No, there's no problem with me. And this is the clown that jumped up in the middle of the uh, president's speech that he was giving in uh, Jamestown a few weeks back. And he was filmed, a uh, reporter for the Daily Beast filmed Rivera interviewing a group of protesters, that's Geraldo Rivera, outside the Democrat National Convention in Philadelphia in 2016. And as Rivera speaks with one of the protesters, a man in a hat with the Palestinian flag approaches him from behind and dumps water over his head. That's this guy, this Democrat Virginia delegate. Ibrahim Samira, who is more than two years away from joining the Virginia House of Delegates. Identified himself as as the perpetrator in two Facebook posts. I swear it wasn't on purpose, Geraldo. No, 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 no. The devil made him do it. Fox News' Geraldo Rivera wanted to dance with the stars, so I gave him a little taste of it, he said in another post featuring the Raw video. This appears to be the first time Samira has been publicly linked to the interaction with Rivera. Rivera. Responding to the news that Samira had been identified as the perpetrator dumping water on him, Rivera called him an intolerant, backstabbing punk. You can add chicken, S-H, mother, F, said Rivera. Well, this is a time where I agree very much with Geraldo. I agree very much. The Washington Free Beacon was the first to report on Samira's long-standing connections as well. To anti-Semitic groups and his vocal support for the boycott, divestment and sanctions movement against the state of Israel gee, maybe he can get elected to the Senate too, from Northern Virginia this idiot, what's her name Wexman this left wing clown now who represents a very wealthy area of Virginia outside of Washington D.C. you know, I support impeachment too, but let's go through the process, oh great another low IQ dimwit While in dental school, Samira was an active member of the Boston Students for Justice and Palestinian chapter and participated in a protest against Israel. Samira became the second Muslim American elected to the Virginia legislature. Wow, isn't that cool? After he won a special election for Northern Virginia House of Delegates in 2019. We're such a great country, we're destroying ourselves. We are literally destroying ourselves. And if you dare to question what we're doing to ourselves, you come under brutal attack from the very people who reject our founders, the Declaration, the Constitution, our economic system, the notion of our borders and a nation-state, trash our cops, trash our military, burn our flag. Well, isn't that swell? I'll be right back. Mark Levin. A couple reminders, Levinites. Join me and WABC at Bark in the Park on Saturday, August 10th. This Saturday. Today's Thursday, two days from now. 11 a.m., at Overpeck Park in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey. I'd love to see as many of you as possible. It's going to be a wonderful day for the whole family, rain or shine, and your dog, as we celebrate man's best friend with vendors, food trucks, exhibitors, and more. And here's the key. Bergen County Animal Shelter will be on site with adoptions available, too. So you can get more information at wabcradio.com, wabcradio.com. Also... The Mark Levin Podcast, one of the biggest among conservatives in the nation, and getting bigger. And so I want to promote it more often. So if you can't get to your radio or were preempted, say, by the Redskins or something like that, you just tap into the podcast. MarkLevinShow.com. That's my homepage, my radio homepage. Go there. You'll get to the homepage. Click on Audio Rewind. It's at the middle of the top of the page. It's that simple. It'll take you to the podcast page. And you can download Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, whatever. Some of you might think this looks a little complicated. It's not at all. You can get the show on your iPhone then, your Android, other platforms and so forth. So I want to strongly encourage you to at least sign up for the podcast so it's available anytime you want to use it. If you don't know how to do this stuff, try it. Ask your kit. They know everything about this stuff. I learned that a long time ago. Finally... Uh, There's a lot of you who haven't gotten your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Some of you are saying, you know, I'm tired of hearing about this book. You need to read the book. It's a very easy read, even though it's a very, very important topic. If you read it, you'll be able to explain to family, friends, co-workers what's taking place, and you'll be able to engage in a very, very effective way. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is just the latest, Assault on free speech and liberty by this media. And they really do have a bloodlust, as it was written in the American Spectator by David Catrone. So please, pass the message, push the message, be part of this movement. It's crucially important, it really is. You can go on Amazon right now, get it at 40% off, it's really inexpensive, or any reputable bookstore. Barnes & Noble is one of the best you know, the folks at Bowling Branch are feeling really flattered right now. Ever since their family business became the industry leader with the world's most comfortable sheets, they've seen a lot of imitators making similar promises and even repeating words from their ads. But no one can duplicate the quality of Bowling Branch cotton that starts out soft and gets softer and softer over time. There are $1,000 sheets for a couple hundred bucks, and the only sheets loved by hundreds of thousands of Americans and three U.S. presidents. That's why 97% of customers surveyed said they sleep better on Boland Branch. But you won't find in them in the big box stores because they're not there. Starting this summer, you get 100 nights to try them. 100 nights over three months. Shipping is always free. And right now, you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets at BowlingBranch.com with promo code MARK. That's spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Mark for $50 off. Bolandbranch.com, promo code Mark. President's thinking about commuting Rod, his uh, sentence. The left is furious. Because he didn't get along with Obama. Now if he had killed a cop, Or done something of that sort. You know, they have heroes on the left. Cop killers, some of them. Not all of them, some of them. When I'm around to Cuba. Well, then that would be a civil rights issue, you see. Civil rights issue. Too often. Let's move quickly. Mike, Springfield, Missouri, the great KSGF. I've got one minute. Go. Yes.
2: I enjoyed your book. I
0: got the downloaded version thank you sir get to your point please because you're about to be cut off by the music yes we're from springfield missouri and we do have the uh right to carry and the stand your ground law and something like this don't happen very often because citizens do have guns here and i appreciate you covering that story you had right to carry and and an off-duty firefighter had his pistol and this guy with his hundred rounds was stopped by the firefighter before he could do any damage if that was his plan. And what, what the hell else would he be planning? And that message will be lost on the media, 100% certain of that. We salute all you great heroes out there. Thank you. We'll be here tomorrow. And God bless you.
2: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.